Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award-winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free, and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Unlaced Podcast. Thank you again for coming along and for helping us grow. Uh, It's a big year, as we always talk about. Last year was a huge year, as I've touched on in the first few episodes uh, for 2023. We're definitely looking to blow it up this year and have some big guests on. And um, as I always say, you know, if you are new here, please give us a like and subscribe. It's how we grow. And if you come back, I absolutely love you now. Today's a big episode. We We've had a lot of athletes on in a lot of sports. I think today this is probably the first in this specific uh, sport, which is going to be quite interesting because I kind of am very naive to this sport at the same time, even though I'm fascinated by it. But um, one of our superstars in this field and a world, uh, you know, a participant in world championships, Kong Games and Olympic Games in pole vault is Liz Parnov. So thank you for coming on. The Unleashed Podcast. Thank you for having me. You I'm bit- happy that I get to be your first pole vaulter. Yeah. Like, is there, like, I, I don't know, is it a very popular sport? Because every time I watch it at the Olympics, there's so many people competing and it's, like, fascinating to watch. But, like, I don't really know anyone at a junior level doing it. Yeah, no, I feel like in Australia it's very niche. Like, there's not many people that do pole vault. I guess it's one of those things in Australia where, like, you don't do pole vault in high school or in primary school. And so it's really just if you get scouted, whereas in the States, you know, they do pole vault in college and university. So I think that our system here is a little bit different. So Australian pole vaulters are few and none. And then over in Europe and America, it's huge. Is it bit, so like Eastern Europe and stuff, is that where it's like mm. huge, like a, like a priority, like people would pick that sport to do it? Because like, like you said, in Australia, I feel like you just fall into it if you're not good. Yeah. Uh, potentially in other sport, they're like, well, here, try this. I mean, in Australia as well, a lot of ex-gymnasts come across to pole vault when they get too tall mm. because like it's really helpful to have that like body awareness, spatial awareness, like your power to weight ratio strength is super important. But I think like in Europe and America, like track and field in general is like a really big sport. I guess kind of like cricket and soccer and footy is here. Whereas in Australia, track and field athletics is kind of like no one gives a shit. So <laughs> we just <laughs> it's funny how you guys all shit on yourselves in Australia. Like you guys like do it at the highest level, go to the Olympics and you're like, yeah, track and field shit. Like yeah, Morgan Mitchell. Like- well, I say this every time. Morgan Mitchell says the same thing. Like, like, like I asked her, can I get some track and field people? And she's like, why don't you want them on? I'm I know. Like, what do you mean? It's like, why, why aren't you building yourselves up? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it's just like the culture around like <laughs> athletics or track and field. Like, it's just not recognized in Australia by like the media, by like just people in general. So then I guess we get a little bit of attention like once every four years when there's an Olympics. But apart mm-hmm. from that, like, there's no funding. There's like not much support in the sport. And so I feel like the athletes kind of just keep portraying that like mm. salty vibe. The salty vibe. <laughs> Is that what you've got? I yeah, sense you've got I'm the salty. salty. <laughs> you've got the salty vibe. Oh. Well, what's been, like, if we go talk about that now, what's been going on in your life? Because I feel like you've got the thing with athletics or, or sort of track and field, it mm. kind of, you guys are always busy, but the competition, there's sometimes like that silent busy. Like you're not, everyone's not always watching you. They watch you at these sort of world champs and com yeah. games, Olympic games, but it kind of doesn't really stop for you guys. 
No, it doesn't stop. I mean, I am freshly retired. So, yes. I didn't know that. Surprise. Is that 28? Is that normal? Are you 29? Look, it's probably a little premature. Like a lot of the girls retire like 30, early 30s. Um, or I suppose, you know, when they want to settle down and have a family and everything. Like I've been in pole vault since I was like 10 years old. So for me, I feel 40 in sport. I <laughs> right. feel like I've I, been. I feel that with soccer too. I yeah. got to like 22. I understand that more than anyone. Yeah. So for me, it was more a case of, you know, I've been doing this for so long and I'm just exhausted. Like I yeah. have nothing left to give. Um, and I just felt like, you know, the passion and the sacrifice and the commitment I wasn't willing to bring that anymore and I just couldn't find it within myself. So I just thought, fuck it. Like I don't want to be a mediocre athlete pushing shit uphill. Like I either want to be the best or I want to pursue other things in my life. And so, yeah, I just decided it's time and it feels really, really good. That is like that when when people say like the headspace is not like you're 100, mm. that's when you know. 100%. That's you, the right time then for 100%. You. Like it was definitely on my mind kind of post-Tokyo. It was mm. something had changed within me and I just didn't feel right. Like I remember pre-Tokyo it would always be, you know, I'd be at work and I would be dying to finish work to get to training. Like training was like my happy place. And then there was this shift where I'd be at work and I was like, fuck, I don't want to leave work and go to training. Like I just can't be fucked. And so then I was like, okay, I can't Mm. have this mentality and attitude and expect to be the best. So then, you know, I saw a lot of therapists and psychologists and really tried to like break down what was going on. Oh, so you were trying to like re-motivate. You're trying to get the motivation yeah, back thinking there's something wrong with you. Yeah, because I was without like. Without that's that's fucking intense because you weren't just honouring like, no, you're done. No, because I was like, I can't make this decision just like without actually trying to break it down and figure it out because yeah. I felt like I didn't ever want to walk away and resent my decision or think what if, what if. So it was like a good I'd say like five, six months of like seeing a therapist and like just really trying to understand how I was feeling and, you know, like we dug deep into some really dark shit (laughs) and like why I am the way that I am now and things that happened in my childhood and the fact that I got into sports so young and like my whole family lives and breathes pole vault. And so, yeah, it was really interesting and fascinating. Is it confronting? Oh, my God, yeah, so confronting. Like it was horrible like it was a horrible time in my life because I've just I'm like a very bubbly up and about like big personality and during that time it was just like so depressed so anxious like just didn't feel like myself didn't know what was wrong and yeah now I'm just thriving well just on that so you're talking about like you've just finished Tokyo and you're kind of figuring out whether you want to keep pushing yourself mm-hmm. into that, that you felt lost in that space. Yeah. Like or was I, it like you'd already made your decision, you were done, and that's when you started to feel lost? No. So I came back from Tokyo and I had a really short break because, I don't know, I'm just like one of those psychopaths that's like can't rest, like have to keep trying, have to keep training. It's a illness. And I came back to training and, like, the first couple of weeks were really good. I was really motivated and then I just hit a slump and I was just like, oh, man, I just cannot be arsed. Like, so then I took an extended period just to actually rest because I was just, like, so fatigued and so tired and just felt like I hadn't stopped for literally, like, 15 years. Mm. And then that's when I went and started seeing a psychologist and, like, figuring everything out. But it was definitely – 
I'm feeling a type of way. What is this feeling? And then once I started to break it down, I was like, okay, like I'm just not in it. So like, why would I keep doing this if, you know, my heart is elsewhere and I want to pursue other things and, you know, I want to live my life being whoever else I want to be now. Mm. Like a lot of it was my identity. I always identified as a pole vaulter and it was changing that narrative and that conversation I had with myself where like, hang on, I am a pole vaulter because I choose to be like, that's not who I am. And that was a massive thing that I realized like doing all this work on myself was like, I can now be whoever the fuck I want. And I can literally go and start a whole new life after pole vault and do whatever I want. Like how amazing is that, that I've got to live a life as a pole vaulter and experience all these amazing things. And now I can pick and choose my next path. Mm. Yeah, it's a fascinating. Like it's isn't, so exciting. Isn't it a freaking light bulb moment? I felt stupid mm. when I realised that I thought it was the soccer ball that made me good. Mm. And I'm like, actually, no, it's just put the person, yeah. the personality. So then like when you get like that, you get excited because then you're like, oh, fuck, if I can get successful at pole vault, which is fucking hard, yeah. then there's other things I can do that are easier. Exactly. I can do heaps better, you know what I mean? Yeah. Or I can do really well at. And that's like what all my friends and family said. They were like, you know, you've achieved like the highest level in sport. Like you obviously know what it takes to like have the drive, have the push, like the sacrifice to achieve that. So if you apply those same skills elsewhere, like you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And, yeah, that's just kind of where I'm at now. That's crazy. So because what fascinates me about sort of your story is um, and in general when there's sporting stories like this is like when you have a sporting family Mm. and like everyone's elite at the same sport Mm. and what that sort of means within the four walls of your family, whether it's like you can separate the competitive nature or the demons or the intensity of what sport is and be a loving family or like where does that Mm. cross over or that sort of shit. Can you explain what that was like for you and a little bit about your dad because I believe he Mm. was a world champion? Yeah. Um, So my dad was a really high-level pole vaulter for the Soviet Union And then he retired quite young due to injury and he became a coach and he coached Steve Hooker to Olympic gold. Did he? And he had, yeah, he had a lot of really- Steve Hooker was the guy with the long hair, like- Yeah, the ginger. Yeah, (laughs) the ginger, your words. Steve, I said the long hair, like luscious long. She's gone ginger. (laughs) Luscious ginger man. Yeah, no, so he was Steve's coach and he's had so many athletes compete, you know, Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games, World Championships, winning medals. So- I always knew that, you know, pole vaulting was in my DNA Um, and I guess I just like I just fell into it because my dad was always coaching so mum would take the kids down and we'd just get involved and then one thing led to another and I honestly can't remember a time before pole vault because it was just always there. How old were you when you would have started? I I've, feel like it's – is it safe to start at like 10 or no, 11? No, it's definitely not. Like these days kids start maybe like 13, 14. Yeah. Um, but my sister started when she was 10 and I was 7 and so I suppose I just kind of was going down to the track, playing in the sandpit and then I'd join in here and there and I suppose from 7 till 10 was kind of just playing around and then probably properly started pole vaulting around 10 and then, yeah. So because your was your dad your coach – Throughout your whole career? So he was was my coach up until uh, the end of 2018 and then my last three years were with his assistant. Right. So so pretty much he was your coach your whole life. Yeah. Like was that hard? Even though you didn't know any better in a, in a sense, like for me that's that's like full on. Yeah, I don't know if it was hard. Like 
you're right. I didn't know any better. Um, my dad and I have a very close relationship where we can really talk and discuss things. My dad and my sister, on the other hand, they would clash heaps because they're like different personalities. So they would always fight and bicker and stuff. Whereas dad and I were pretty good. The only reason I moved away from training with dad is because he found that he couldn't differentiate his daughter and his athlete. And so he was really struggling to push me. I felt like I could train harder. I could do more things because like, I whine a lot and I always complain at training. Like, I'm tired. I can't do this, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But I needed someone to just be like, no, this is what you're doing and you're doing it. And that's what he would do. And he couldn't. Oh, he couldn't do that No, if I was like, I can't, he'd be like, okay, let's just rest. Oh, because was that because, like, that's his coaching style or that's because you're his kid? It's because I'm his daughter. And yeah, he had right. that, like, soft spot for me. So I needed someone that could put aside, like, um, the emotional connection and just, like, treat me like an athlete. Yeah. That's crazy. But I loved it. Like I got to travel the world when I was 14 with my parents, with these amazing athletes, like experience all these countries and learn from so many amazing athletes. Like it's just an experience that you just can't buy. And so mm. I'm so grateful for Polvo and everything and the sacrifices my family have made, you know, like it's hard. It's a lot. Speaking speaking of that, like one thing um- – one thing about you that and maybe people don't know this or whether they give you plaudits for it or not, it's like you were in the elite of the elite um, as like a junior or mm-hmm. through the sort of youth levels globally we're talking, mm. right? So like you medaled at the world champs or the was it the youth youth and mm. junior games or yeah. world championships and stuff like that. Like for me, that's what I can relate to being elite at that level as a kid. And I remember that was all I used to do was do one thing and play sport. Was that your life through that? Yeah. period to be able to achieve that I can only imagine that you were just like pole vaulting oh my god in a sense yeah. do you know what I mean yeah so like I'd literally go to school go to training and that was it and then I'd train on the weekends and then when it got to year 11 and 12 I dropped down high school to two and a half days a week so I could do double sessions and like train <laughs> properly so yeah like it was all pole vault and I but I loved it like all I wanted to be was the best. All I wanted to be was a pole vaulter. Like that was my world and I guess it worked. Did people find that strange like around you? Like not to not to discredit pole vault but it's like unique, mm. you know, especially in Australia. Like when I see an Australian pole vaulter, I'm like, what? Like we like who? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, we don't see too many yeah. of them in the like, you know, Olympic Games and stuff. I mean, I guess like I, I had friends in high school but it wasn't like I wasn't going to parties and I wasn't really doing much socialising. And I was fine with that because the I reaped the rewards where I wanted to, you know what I mean? I think because I grew up around a lot of older people, I was quite mature like as a young, younger teen. Mm. And so those things in that time when I was getting success from Povo, like partying, drinking, all this stuff didn't phase me. Mm. They started to phase me a few years later. (laughs) And so – it was good because it worked and I got to perform and like train really well and win competitions and come second. And yeah, what's it? Can tell us something? Let's not be humble here. What what was sort of your medal tally through those youth Olympic Games and world championships so, and stuff? Oh, I'm I, pretty sure you were like bronze, gold, a uh, silver. I never, you I never, never won a gold, but, but I you, was silver at youth Olympics, the first ever youth Olympics. I was silver at 
World Youth Championships and then I was silver at World Junior Championships. That's like an at that time in your life, that is the pinnacle. Yeah. Right? So you're like the second best in the world. Yeah. That's what that means. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to highlight here. That's fucking crazy, yo. Thanks. Yeah. No, it is. I feel that's, like that's you dope. don't realize when you're No, in because it. Oh, I break that shit down. Like I think about that stuff deeply. So I'm like, because I always think like, well, where am I in the tally of this if I'm here and mm. that? But with with athletics, like, you know instantly. With soccer, it's opinion-based. Yeah. Like, with yours, it's like, well, you yeah, jumped true, higher than facts. Yeah. yeah, you can't – you didn't jump higher than me, so shut the fuck up. Like, do you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So when did – when did, like, when did you sort of, like, when you hit the adult ranks and, like, coming through the comm games and Olympic mm. games, was the jump significant? Like, even though you were – sort of elite yeah. to that is, was a, a big difference? Oh, my God. It was huge. So, like, going from being, like, one of the best juniors to then joining, like, the open women, I was, like, a shit kicker. Like, so like so bad, lowest of them all. I was still making these competitions, but, like, I wasn't making finals. I was, like, kind of just, like, rocking up, trying to clear a bar because, like, the transition from junior to open is, like, very steep in women's pole vault. Why? Um, just because, like, the height difference. So, like, the best juniors are jumping, like, 440, 450. They're, like, women at the Olympics are jumping, like, 490. Fuck. Like, it's such a big jump. And, like, you can't just increase your best by 40 centimetres. So, is like, like, is, like, five centimetres huge? Yeah, yeah. Like, right. if, you get a, if you get a PB, like, a personal best every season, that's, like, amazing. Like, I had, I think, like, a six, seven-year drought where I didn't jump a PB. <sighs> And that's like also normal. Like it's very what? Re- yeah. <laughs> wow. It's very rare. So is it like luck based or something, or like the winds just flow in the right way one day and you just oh. get a bit higher? I know. I guess it's just like a mixture of things. Like, have you been injury free that season? Uh. You know, have you like improved your strength, improved your speed? And yeah, there is a lot of luck because like sometimes you go to Europe for like a season to compete. And it's just raining every competition. And so, like, you're going to jump like shit in the rain. So a lot of it is luck and, like, being at the right comp at the right time with the good conditions, healthy. Like, a lot of things have to line up. So, yeah, it's fucked. I'm getting so much trauma talking about this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. That means I'm winning this podcast because that's like digging Yeah, deep. trying to dig here. No, because well, it's, it's interesting. Hey guys, just a quick break in this episode to share that I have partnered with Dabble, the gambling agency. Dabble is an incredible platform. It's similar to Instagram where you can copy uh, bets off some of the absolute superstars of various games. It's absolutely awesome. Please make sure you do gamble responsibly, only bet what you can. And also, big, big news, for the next 12 months, I'm going to be doing a Tuesday stream between 7 and 8 p.m. where I'm going to be talking all sports, putting on bets with you guys and having absolute fun. You can find that within the Double app. And it's there, as I said, every Tuesday night, 7 to 8 p.m., the Jake Barkadash live show. Make sure we see you there and we'll get back into the episode. What what for you? This is like... Be interesting for me anyway. What's the what's the most rewarding thing for you about pole vaulting? Like, because I don't really understand it. So if you could yeah. make me understand for you, like, what's the thrill? Is it like the adrenaline of like the getting over the, yeah. the bar or is it more, is it deeper than that? No, I think for me the thing that always kept pulling me back was only pole vaulters would understand, but like when you like – nail that perfect jump and like execute 
all your cues and it feels so effortless. Like that is, there's such a thrill in that. It's so addictive, that feeling of like, because there's so many components, right? You need to get your run up right. You need to like put the pole in the box a good way. You need to then have a good takeoff. You need to then get upside down fast enough, turn around the pole. So like there's so many pieces and like when you, there's like a handful of times you will ever put them all together at once and then like that feeling is just like holy shit. Like yeah, it feels amazing. And I think another thing is like I always – I mean, when I was a junior, I was definitely like quite cocky and arrogant and like I'm the best. And then I think the transition to a senior pole vault competition, it really kind of humbled me. And then I think I wasn't aware that I would be shit. (laughs) And so then like underperforming in my mind for so many years, I started to be like, I suck. I'm not good. I'm not strong enough. I'm too tall. I'm not like fast enough. And so then in my later part of my career, just like little goals, like in the gym or with sprint running or like being injury free for a certain period of time, like then that became my addictive side of things where I was like, okay, my body's not breaking. Like I'm getting there. I'm doing this. So like it always shifted, but yeah, it's such a, it's such a, head fuck of a sport what, what yeah that the one aspect of it being a head fuck of a sport to me is like because what what is like the the way it works in the olympics it's like three jumps mm. and then off your biggest one is what they dictate for where you go like whether you go through that stage or into the semifinals or whatever it is yeah so there's always like a qualification round where all the girls who have qualified rock up mm. and then to get into the final there's either a height or you have to finish in the top 12. And so you get three jumps per height. You can, you know, if you clear it on your first jump, that's great. You go up to the next height. If you clear it on your third, you go up to the next height. So you have three shots. That is like absolute torture. Because, like, if, yeah. if you miss the first one, you're like, oh, fuck, I've only, I need to get this But if you one. get the first one, you just kind of chill and yeah. shit. So that. Fuck, see what I mean? And then if you rock up to your third, like there's been times before my third attempt where I like literally feel like I'm going to be sick (laughs) and I'm like, oh, my God, I literally have to get everything perfect. Like that pressure, like Uh, that, like. How did you deal with that? Like for you, because I can, I'm I'm not saying it ever got easy, but I think over time, surely you would have got better with that. Yeah, no, definitely. Like over the time with like good psychological sports training and like knowing how to like stay calm and breathe and like all these special cues. Well, can can you click into like, what is that to you? Like what would, if you were standing at the top of your mark, you're like at the Olympics and you're like, don't fuck this up. Instead of saying that, what are you kind of putting in your head to like just chill and like, you know, be you? Um, oh my God. I, or, or like, or sometimes is it just like a monkey in a cage? Like, and you're like, fuck it. Yeah, no, sometimes <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I can't even. But no, so I guess I'm like, these convers- this conversation right now is like really bringing me back to like pre retirement. And I honestly haven't gone there. Well, how long have you been retired? I mean, I went on my break in April 2022. Oh, okay. And then I announced probably like Christmas time. But when I went on that break, I was like, yeah, I'm not coming back. But um, okay, so third attempt. So I usually I'm like freaking out. So I have to like calm myself down. So I would be thinking like 
do it easy because I tend to always like overdo it, like run too hard and like try be hell like macho. So I would always just try to tell myself to like calm down, breathe, like just relax. You've done this a million times before. This isn't something special. So almost trying to like trick my mind out of it is a third attempt to it's not, like mm. it's just another jump. Mm. And I think that really helped me because I – tend to be very emotional when I'm pole vaulting and I'm very aggressive and, like, mm. I've got no chill, so I'd need to, like, <laughs> flick that switch. Right. Do, do you find you're a calmer human being off the track or do you still have that fire there? Because I feel like I've, I'm, like, and I speak to a lot of athletes about this, like, very different personalities on and off the field mm. or court or whatever it may be. I think I'm a lot calmer because I've got less – really heavy emotional stress and Mm. like the stress I put on myself, I think I'm a lot more happier because I don't know, for me in particular with pole vault, you know, more times you fail than you succeed. And so that constant failure, 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 and just like beating yourself down every time, like that weighs on your mood. So I feel like I'd be my moods were like this when I was an athlete because it's like a roller coaster and you get that one like really good competition where you're like oh my god yes and then the next week you can jump like absolute shit and you forget about you know what I mean mm. it's just like so like up and down and like pulling on your heartstrings because like it was my life and like lived and breathed it whereas now like yeah my job can be stressful at times but and I can get upset here and there because I'm emotional but like I'm not it's not stabbing me in the heart when I like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you don't, don't take. Yeah, it's not your life and death. No. Like, yeah, yeah. I would. I would think though, and this is what I think with athletes. I always think athletes, if channel, if there is like a purpose found post sport, they'll be super successful. Mm. If they don't have a purpose, that's when shit goes wrong. Like oh God, you know, yeah. all the bad habits and things coming. People end up in jail, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I think if when there's a purpose, I think because of the like all the experiences you went through are so not normal that anyone else in the field you're going to next can't relate and won't be as like either mentally as strong or, mm-hmm. you know, ability to adapt to change, all that sort of stuff yeah. that sport throws at you. Do, you. do you find now with your work that you're doing, like, not that it's easier, but you're, you're comfortable or, or is it like really challenging because it's like so different to what yeah, you've ever done? Yeah, no, it is quite challenging because it is so different to anything I've done. A part of it is like, oh, I just get to go to this nine to five. Yeah, what are you doing actually? What is your work? So I work in marketing at my partner's clothing brand, Street X. Oh, right. Oh, so it's kind of funky though. Yeah, so like it's so fun and I'm doing different stuff every day. But I think that my personal and emotional attachment to it because it is my partner's business has a link kind of like to how it was with pole vault where it's like, I care about my job and I care about doing well. Um, And it is like, I'm learning as I go, you know, it's very different to pole vault where it's like, don't really have to think about it. I know what I'm doing. Like Mm. I'm learning, but I'm loving that. I'm loving the fact that I'm challenging myself in a completely different way. And I have to like figure it out and it's not just coming to me. And it's keeping me on my toes, which is nice. Like I definitely don't feel like post pole vault I'm just like slumped into like yeah. a depressive state. <laughs> I feel like re-energized and like. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. You're pretty lucky then because some people, man, the people that don't experience that once in their life, you've just found two things that you've got like a passion and connection to. Yeah. That's rare. 
like fuck, that doesn't happen. I don't think. But um, I actually just have a couple more questions on pole vault, like yep. or just in general the your sort of athletic career. What was it like the being at Olympic Games? Like for you, was it like? Cool, insane. Is it everything you thought it would be, or is it not as I don't know? Nah, because it's different for pole vault. Maybe I don't know. Like you know, basketball and soccer, they play like multiple games. Oh like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You have like three jumps, and you could be in and out. I'd say so. The London Olympics for me was definitely like a more memorable experience. Um, I was eighteen. It was in London pre-COVID. It was just an incredible experience, like absolutely mind blowing. Um. And then, you know, I had all my family, friends in London and then Tokyo was just so anticlimactic because I'd had that experience where it was like the whole vibe of an Olympic Games and it's not just your competition, it's like the whole picture of like the Olympics is here, like there's Mm. other sports, there's like things to do, it's an experience, right? Whereas Tokyo was awful because it was COVID and so there was no one there it was pretty much train and go sit in your room and that was it. And so it literally felt like prison. Yeah, I heard London was, very, let's say, very much more active than Yeah, Tokyo. London was fucking amazing. Yeah, it was like, off its head. Everyone was, says that. Yeah, it like I literally remember it like it was yesterday, whereas like there's so many other competitions in my mind that have just like slipped away. Like even Tokyo, I don't even think about. Like when I think about Olympics, I think about London. Oh, really? So what was just that? Do a lot of people share that sentiment to Tokyo? I feel like naturally athletes were, were kind of pissed by the time they got to Tokyo because it was like yeah. dragged on. Yeah, it was such a It was fuck like, around. fuck, man, I've trained an extra year for this. Like I've already yeah. trained four. I mean, I think if Tokyo was your first Olympics, it'd still be like, oh, my God, I'm at the Olympics. Wow. Right. But okay. I think because I'd had that experience of like a real games, it was like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. What about when you look back on your career, because you did achieve a hell of a lot, even mm-hmm. from like the junior ranks, as we said, is there anything you like, do you look back with regrets? Or are you like really proud and content with what you put in and got out of it? I mean... I definitely feel like had I of made different choices in my life between the ages of, let's say, 20 and 23, 24, mm. I probably could have gotten more out of it. Um, I definitely think I was capable of jumping higher and performing better, but I did some things and made some life choices that definitely didn't help me in that regard but in saying that like I don't look I don't regret what I did like I had a great time and a great life so far but yeah I feel like walking away from pole vault there's definitely things I wish I could have achieved but I'm also extremely proud of myself and Mm. I did a lot of things that other people haven't done and it is what it is like on to the next thing yeah so do you like literally as soon as you decided pole vault's done were you straight on to doing something else or did you like yeah, Put the well, feet up, smoke a few cigars and shit for like a few months. No, I was already like I'd pretty much worked through my whole pole vault career because like the funding side well, of yeah, things. Yeah, actually that's a really good point. That's a, yeah, something that I hear a lot in the yeah. track and field. Yeah, there was, there's fuck all money going around, that's for sure. Does, so. that, like, does that make you feel less of an athlete in, in a way or is that just like so normal in Australia for that? I think it's like super normal in Australia. When I was younger, like a junior, like early 20s, I didn't work. I just trained. And then my contracts got smaller as I wasn't performing. So then I had to start working as well. 
Um, and yeah, I pretty much worked all the way through until I retired. So there wasn't really a massive change from like being this athlete that just like has their toes up all day and then just trains mm. and does fuck all. Like I worked, trained, and that was it like every day. So in a way it was like taking a load off when I retired because it was like, oh, I can just do one thing and just like yeah. focus on one thing. See, that's probably how- Pay that, my bills. I reckon that helps because I we, like, this is a big part of what we always talk about and we say it like almost every show. It's like people when you don't know what to do next or you haven't thought of it because mm. like you don't want to because you're like, fuck it, I'm, I want to make the most of this. It stuffs you around mentally. Yes. But when you're doing it like consistently or simultaneously with your career at the same time, you're like when you're done, it's like second nature. Yeah. And I have like a lot of people I know that are in- sport and athletics who just do the sport and that's it and then for the rest of the day they're drinking coffee and watching tv and I worry about those people because I'm like what's going to happen when that day comes like you're going to be smacked in the face with a very very rude awakening where like the life of an athlete is so glamorous and fun and carefree and leisurely and like the real world is fucking hard (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, scary. Well, try being a fucking pole vaulter. That's fucking hard too. Yeah. That's, what, that's what you should tell people back. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a stick, go jump. Yeah, no, and then no. we'll see. I could bang. Um, well, I guess probably when this, when this show comes out, you're probably well and truly into a couple of weeks of the show, but Survivor. Mm. Damn. Like, did is that something you wanted to do? Did that like come knocking on your door? Like, how did that happen? Um, so it was something I'd always wanted to do. I've always loved TV. I love reality TV and I've always wanted to be on TV. Um, I feel like you, I feel like, yeah, you're made for reality TV. Yeah. Yeah. You'd like, you'd fight, you'd throw a few fireworks in there. I want to be a uh, news reporter or like a sports reporter. So Foxtel hit me up after this. Oh, really? Fuck for sure. Perth, seven Perth or seven know, Perth or nine like, Perth. I've got a face for TV. Hey, we can make that happen. This platform. Come, Come on, on guys, let's, go. let's blow it up. <laughs> But yeah, so the Survivor experience, tell me yeah, like, so how that I've happened. I've always wanted to do a TV show, whatever. I was obviously when I was pole vaulting, I didn't have the time because, like, you have to go film and it's like can't train, whatever. So once I decided I was going on a break, I went to my modeling agency and I was like, look, I really want to do TV. Like, put me forward for anything. Like, I'd be happy to do like Big Brother, Survivor, SAS, like something like that. <laughs> No Love Island because I've obviously got a boyfriend. Um, and she was like, yep, no worries. Like, I'll get the phone out and so she called around and casting was closed but someone from Survivor came back and they were like, oh, like we might have a spot for you. So I had a few Zoom meetings and then managed to get my way onto the show and it was a really quick turnaround. It was probably only like two weeks after What, from like, yeah, you're on to the show started? Yeah, to filming. So. Wow. It was wild. Was it um – everything you thought it would be or is it different when you're actually there and doing it? It is so different. Like TV doesn't even cut it. Like it's so (laughs) glamorized on TV. It looks relaxing. Oh my God. (laughs) I literally cried every day. No. I was so hungry. (laughs) 
Really? The fact they didn't feed you? No, well, like you get rations and you have to eat rations. But, like, I'm a big eater. Like, yeah. I've got a fast metabolism, so I eat a lot. And you literally eat, like, a handful of rice every day, maybe twice a day if you're lucky. So what's, like, so can you just give me, like, for, for those that have aren't watching the show, like, the plug of, like, what it actually meant, like, what is Survivor? Okay, so season eight of Survivor is heroes versus villains. I was cast as a villain because I am a sassy queen. <laughs> And so essentially it's a game where you're in two tribes and you do challenges where you compete against each other and slowly people get voted off within your tribes and then eventually you form one tribe where then you individually battle it out to be sole survivor. <laughs> wow. So is there like there's different challenges. Yeah. But the thing is like so I knew you obviously knew that but I thought like when you would like cameras off here's some food oh, like God, eat no. no they they full-on like i would beg and you're in like, the jungle no. like proper like they're, oh, they're on the islands yeah like when you're out there like the camera crew do not exist wow so it's like it's fucking hard man and i didn't think it would be that tough so i definitely like a lot of the other like players um they were like cutting out caffeine and cutting out sugar and like doing all these like pre-gaming tactics I flew in to Samoa coming off like a girl's bender in London. So, like, I was not prepared. You weren't in survivor condition. I was not in survivor condition. You'd just done survivor in, uh, in, London. in London, yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, shit, like, what have I got myself into? So Far out. it was really hard. But What's the, um without giving away, obviously, how you did on the show, because obviously it's still going, but where, like, what's the sort of time frame of, when the least you can stay on till to the lot to the most, like wh- how long can you be on that island for? If you're I mean, going all the way, yeah. Like, if what you is it? get booted out first day, you're so there you, for like two days. Oh, so that's it. And Fuck. then I think if you're last, it's like 46, 47 days. Wow. So there's that much of a difference. Oh my God. Yeah. You're out there for ages if you that last is the whole time. Far insane. We're looking back on it now. What was the, what's like the one thing you got out of it the most that you're like, Fuck, that was, that's why I wanted to do that. Um, I loved the challenges because it was, like, very down my lane of, like, challenging myself physically and mentally. I felt like I had a really good connection with Pole Vault there. And then the other thing was, you know, I'm quite a glamour puss. Like, I like the finer things in life. And so being out there and challenging myself with, like, not eating, not showering, barely sleeping and, like, mentally pushing through that – was really empowering and I'm like, oh, shit, like I can do a lot of things that I didn't think I could do. Wow. Yeah. I think there's like a, a clip going around of you like asking for yeah. certain foods and stuff, which is so funny. Is you that a for, like, ciabatta a, yeah, or yeah, sourdough? Yeah, 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 asking for like ciabatta and like rolls and sourdough and shit. And I'm like, I'm I'm so just, <laughs> that's comedy. That's comedy. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's great. Do you see yourself doing more stuff like that or is this just like a one-off and then like – um, oh God, I feel like I'm still mentally like processing Survivor. So I would maybe go back. I don't know if they'd want me back, but I would definitely want to be like in TV, hosting, maybe do some other shows. Yeah, pod podcasts. Podcasts. Yeah, you can do a podcast. You'll yeah. be fine. What would you do? What would you do a podcast about? I feel like yours would be something funny. Yeah. Like, it would be. Like, like Gossip Girl kind yeah, of vibes. Yeah, like – Pop culture, talking, <laughs> talking uh, shit. Talking shit, yeah, absolutely. Definitely nothing like inspirational. I'm just like so over that. Uh, do you reckon it has like, uh, even though it's because obviously we just said like it's Survivor's kind of um, come out recently and it'll probably be airing obviously when we release this, but 
are you getting more recognition and like not like fame or anything, but like because obviously pole vault, you're, you're kind of relevant every mm. four years and stuff. So at this period, like you're getting more eyes on you, more people kind of engaging with you, following you. I had someone from my local coffee shop be like, oh, my God, I feel like I recognise you. Like you're the one in Survivor. And I'm like, yes, that's me. Like, Oh, really? I'm loving it. Oh, yeah, just Love lapping it. it up. Lapping it up. Got a few more followers, so hopefully they keep climbing. Yeah. Um. No, I love it. I love all that shit. <laughs> I love the attention. Oh, well, that's good. Well, everyone everyone, get out there, be watching it. Obviously, cheer is on. Um, Team Liz. We We don't know whether you do or do really well. but Keep watching. Yeah, keep watching and you'll find out. Um, last question that we ask on this show, which I think would be interesting with you given your field, um, we equate three key traits to being successful in like sport, business. They're all relevant. Yeah. But- what in particular out of the three or one in particular is most relevant to you and your sort of journey out of resilience, drive and ambition, which one resonates the most with you oh and your God. career? We've had some really good answers to this and we've had some really shocking ones. So it's a floating segment yeah, right I now. I think um, the main one for me would be and have been resilience. I think because in pole vault you get knocked down so many more times than you know, you have that amazing competition. So constantly finding that like power within yourself to keep going at it and not losing hope and not giving up, I think that was the biggest thing. So like you need to be so resilient and so just like sure within yourself that even though there will be ups and downs and there'll be injuries and like setbacks, like if you just keep pushing, like each day you'll get better and you know, tomorrow is always a new day. So you just resilience. There you go. Stay Young boys people. and girls out there, keep following your dreams. Well said. Thank you for coming on the show. It was awesome. Thank you for having me. Loved having you on. Congrats on your amazing career and Survivor AU. Let's go. Let's Thank run it back. You. We'll see you guys next week. Are you a podcaster? Maybe you've got that big idea and you're looking for a network to join. The multi-award winning Ozcast Network can get your content to eyes and ears all over the world. Join now for the first month free and you could be featuring this sound at the beginning of your podcast. Ozcast. Simply head to ozcastnetwork.com for details.